Hello and welcome to Say That, the podcast for your big questions to get real answers. My name is Matt King. I'm your host here in the city of Chicago. Joining us here is Glenn Fitzgerald. Yes, let's do it. Also joining us, Jed Brewer. I concur. With us all the way from Rutgers, Tennessee, Lee Younger. It's just hard to express how odd it is to hear Glenn come in on that excited note after knowing him for so many years. Yeah. And by odd, you mean fake. Yeah, because it's just <laughs> totally uh, sarcastic. That is the only kind of enthusiasm we have access to sometimes. We have to do what we can. We have a great show for you this week. We have some awesome questions lined up. We're going to have some fun. But we must start with the most exotic kind of emergency, and that is a Brazilian superhero emergency. What? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not referring to beloved uh, Brazilian superhero Samba Man, I assume, uh, who, you know, just dances at the criminals until they're just overtaken by the rhythm and they don't want to do crime anymore. Incredible. Yeah. <laughs> I want to see that movie. Get on it, Marvel. But I am talking about a custom uh, action figure of a person described as... The most badass hero of all time. That's right. Super Jesus Christ. What? Wow. And we have here an enterprising young artist, Leo Customs on Facebook. And we'll put the link to this post in the, uh, in the episode description there so you can check it out for yourself. It is what I can only describe as the He-Man version of a Jesus action yeah. figure. <laughs> but, but not only that, dear listener, please understand that this action figure actually has the crucifixion wounds with the blood dripping down and everything. It comes with two interchangeable heads, three pairs of interchangeable hands, one cross, one crown of thorns, one Spear of the Apocalypse, one spear <laughs> of the Trinity Time of out. Power. Time out. <laughs> you no. just said Spear of the Apocalypse. I'm yes, saying what I'm reading, man. One lance of the Trinity of Power, one uh, smear of sacred blood, and two multiplying fish. Uh, and also <laughs> let the listener understand that as I'm looking at this post, everything is in Portuguese, and our our... Our uh, host of the podcast, Mr. Matt King, has studied Portuguese a lot Seen. on Duolingo. He is very, he's very proficient in the Portuguese. And yet I've never run across Lanza de Trinidade do Poder before. Because yeah, no one's ever said that phrase other than in this Facebook <laughs> posting. And I don't know what that means, but it sounds intense. I believe that would be the Sword of Flaming Blood. <laughs> because there is one of the accessories that this comes with is a sword that is on fire. <laughs> There's one picture where where uh, a formerly crucified Jesus is stabbing a 14 foot tall apocalyptic uh, chrome colored robot with a spear. I believe that is a leftover action figure of Kratos from the God of War franchise. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know if you guys got to the one where, and he's sending the fish to attack Wolverine. Now, I have several problems with this theologically. <laughs> okay. Uh, <laughs> That's intense. Also, in this particular photo you're mentioning, Glenn, the interchangeable head has been switched from the crown of thorns head 
which was in the previous photo I mentioned, to the halo wearing yeah. head. Also, there's another picture where where our Lord is delivering a devastating uppercut to the Incredible Hulk. Yeah. And th- that is the best picture of all time. Like, <laughs> yeah. I, don't, I don't speak Portuguese. I barely even speak any English. But I do speak the language of uppercutting the Hulk. That <laughs> yeah. is the true universal human language. And I think that that's a Bible story we can all get behind. Yeah, speaking of our friends in the Marvel Cinematic World, Kevin Feige, give us that post credit scene, you coward. <laughs> oh, he's... He's got glasses in this one. He's very well spoken. Shut up. Give us what we want. Have swole Jesus punch him. Swole <laughs> <laughs> oh, Jesus. <laughs> uh, look, first of all, Hulk smash. I mean, that's you know, this is this is what the Hulk is about. But the idea that Jesus and the Hulk would not be fighting on the same side, I just have problems with that. Anger's a sin, Glennard. Well, that's, you know, this, you know, the Hulk draws his power from sin. That's what we're learning here. That's the parable. <laughs> <laughs> Gamma rays, sin, it's all fuzzy. Yeah. Uh, uh, yeah. Okay. We're th- This podcast is about to have a schism right here, right now. <laughs> Gets his power from sin. Best friends with a literal pagan God. I'm just saying, I think he and Jesus would have reason to have words. Also, you mentioned the throwing the fishes. Um, it is worth pointing out that in this case, the fish are giant piranha. Right. Which is a very interesting interpretation of the story of loaves and fishes. <laughs> That's what I'm saying. I'll, look, I'm just putting it out there right now. Swell and jacked Brazilian Jesus is tearing this podcast apart. <laughs> in much the same fashion that he tears the Hulk apart. Also, there's an image of uh, Swole Jesus with the particular, the, the crown of thorns head, and he's just like blowing into a ram's horn. Just yeah. like, I, I'm assuming it's the, it's kind of the, the light of the third day uh, at Helm's Deep and look to the east and, and he's like summoning the armies. I mean, it's super, super intense. Now, one of the most interesting uh, scriptural assumptions on the uh, the accessories list here is, and I had to pull up the translation to make sure this was correct, um, there, he has the crown of thorns around his head, but then there's also the crown of thorns boomerang. Oh. <laughs> and that is a hot Christmas item if I've ever heard of one. Based on the size of his, show, his deltoids and triceps, if he chucks that crown of thorns boomerang at you, you're going down, baby. Yep. Swole yeah, Jesus in true young life fashion is a menace at Frisbee golf. Yeah, we, we on this podcast have a long-running affection and appreciation for when someone just goes all the way. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, to be clear, the, the ideas are totally off the charts insane, but the, right. uh, the execution is very good. Oh yeah, it's very well made. That uh, yeah, yeah. That holy that holy fire sword looks pretty awesome. Not gonna lie. There's the the halo head, uh, the interchangeable halo head, looks like the guy that the uh, the actor that they got to play Aquaman, the Jason sure. Momoa. Yeah, sure. sure. Yes, yes. And yeah. and then there's one image where he's like, 
uh, down on his knees and praying. And it's like all the quads are still flexed somehow. Yeah. Even yes, though he's sure. down. <laughs> That's intense, man. Well, the, the image I love that I've been spending most of my time on, because it's got all the accessories laid out. They've kind of got the, you know, if you used to buy like a GI Joe or whatever in the package, it would right. be with all the stuff laid on it, which is cool, but it's got all the interchangeables laid on it as well. So it looks like there's just a severed head next to Jesus. <laughs> and also the interchangeable hands are kind of upside down and they kind of interchange by like, there's like a, a part sticking out where it, I guess it slots in and out of the wrist. So it also looks like there's like just four disembodied hands giving the finger. Cause <laughs> right, there's just one true. thing sticking up from them. And uh, again, I appreciate going for it. Well, listeners, we can't, we cannot possibly stress enough how absolutely jacked this version of our Lord is. Yeah. And I say to, to anyone who would, who would poo poo the idea of getting custom super Jesus action figures for your, your middle school group uh, for such a thing to put in there and say, well, it's not really accurate. If you have any pictures of white Jesus in your church, <laughs> you don't yeah. get to claim Thank accuracy. You. So just get custom super Jesus and, you know, let the kids throw a boomerang crown of thorns around. And I think it really, really amps up the, the scene of the uh, clearing of the temple. If instead of flipping tables, Jesus is suplexing people through them. <laughs> dude, 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 here's what I need. And I need it immediately. I need a retelling of not Mel Gibson's, but just generically of the passion of the Christ, but sta uh, cast entirely with WWE all-stars. Oh gosh. Mm. Also, Matt, uh, per Jed's idea, what is Jesus's walk-up song? Oh, I mean, I think so. There was, you know, Mach we mentioned Macho Man Randy Savage a couple episodes ago who came out to the, the pomp and circumstance, which you may know as the graduation music, like the full <laughs> kind of uh, orchestral version. Bum, bum, exactly. Bum, bum, bum. <laughs> Made it work. But then later <laughs> on, uh, probably when he turned heel, he came out to like, they would do a thing where, because that's public domain, you could just do like a get crunchy guitar version of it. So I think like a kind of motorhead version of the Hallelujah Chorus. <laughs> or Vivaldi's Gloria played, you know, on just a shredding seven-string guitar, I think would work like really well. Like a Satriani style. Yeah. Yep. Yep. <laughs> yes, friends, for the low, low price of 500 Brazilian reais, which I believe I'm doing the trend, I'm on Google right now, Comes out to about 94 US dollars. Wow. You can own custom Super Jesus Christ. Oh, and oh. Uh, if you're someone listening to this podcast who has access to a church budget, is there really better money you're going to spend? I submit there is not. And on that, we declare emergency off. Wow. Oh, yeah. That was, that was a wild ride, Kinger. A lot happened on that one. I'm not going to lie. It's as always happens on this show. We started with Brazilian Jesus action figure, and then things spun out of control, which is quite a sense of things to go. Uh, where things do not spin out of control because they are more tightly kept a hold of and edited is Bridgebox, missionusa.com slash Bridgebox. Uh, you get sermons, songs, Bible studies, all sorts of good stuff to encourage you for only $8 a month. Check that out. 
Also, things uh, border a little closer on spinning out of control, but never have gotten all the way there. On The Bridge Live, you can check us out at facebook.com slash Chicago for our weekly Bridge Live service, some highlights, some promo videos, lots more fun stuff over there. We're going to head to our first question here. If you have this all the way to the end, I'll give you some ways to get in touch with this. Or you can scroll down to your episode descriptions and click the links that are down there. First question comes in anonymously and says, I am struggling to deal with my mom. Today, while we were watching the news on the Israel-Palestine situation, she said, wow, Israel is really good at aiming. They bombed the building. And she followed that up with some other things and implied that because Palestinians were not Christian, they did not deserve sympathy. I snapped internally when I heard that. I didn't say anything because I don't think she'd listen, but I'm very disappointed in my mom. She didn't even bother to do any research or feel any sympathy towards people who were dying or getting injured because her religious beliefs told her that they are bad guys. Her mindset is getting really bad. Anything her religious leaders say becomes her truth and no one can question it. I can't stand being around her anymore. And what's worse is her sources come from social media or certain news broadcasts that lean her way. And I know it's wrong, but I'm really hating on the people who feed her this information right now. I don't really know what to do with that, but I appreciate any help you guys can give us. And uh, we are very glad for your question. I think it is going to be a very, very relatable experience to a lot of people mm. listening right now. And Lee, where would we start off with all that? Well, the first place we want to start off is just to say that we're sorry that you're going through this with your relationship with your mom. Um, unfortunately, um, <laughs> Unfortunately, I, I know how you feel. Uh, I, I hate that you're going through this. It's unfortunate that you're going through with it. It sucks that you're feeling the things that you are. But over the past few years, especially, a lot of folks are feeling like, um, like their parents have just completely sold their relationship with their children for a bunch of, uh, just a bunch of lies, um, a, a, a bunch of a bunch of stuff about what it means to be a Christian, which it turns out is just kind of a, a, a veiled version of what it means to be a, a nationalist. Um, in this country, the country we're recording this, what it means to be kind of an American white nationalist. And that stuff is so frustrating. It's so unbelievably ridiculous. It has nothing to do with what it means to know Jesus in any way. And it's been really, really frustrating. Um, it, there's the the media that you're talking about when when you're talking about being frustrated with 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 these media outlets. That makes perfect sense. What's actually happened is that a lot of people have had their faith um, co opted and hijacked in order to be completely brainwashed into a political way of thinking or a nationalist way of thinking or a cultural way of thinking that calls itself Christian and has nothing to do with the way of Christ in any way. It's the, it's actually the exact opposite um, that they've been co-opted and hijacked into, into nationalism and fear and paranoia and hate. Um, I actually think you're exactly right to be upset about it um, with, with uh, the, you know, with, with organizations that are kind of, kind of taking control of, of, of people's parents thinking this is a really interesting thing. So, um, just, just a personal little story for me on this. Um, I, I've had some struggles with, with some of, 
with with my folks as well on this stuff. And and actually, a few years ago, one of my parents had the chance to go travel to um, actually travel to the Holy Land with an organization, a Christian organization, and actually got the chance to be in the home of some Palestinians and and was hosted by them, shared a meal with them, and all this kind of stuff. And and this was this was actually my dad. And and when he came home, he was telling me about his trip and everything. And he was just dumbfounded because he was like, you, you wouldn't believe these, these Palestinians. They were just the nicest people in the whole world. And I was like, well, why, why is that surprising to you? And it was just that same thing, just all this, all this kind of rhetoric and all this kind of stuff that he had been fed um, ab- about who these people were. And then when he actually met some of them, he was completely and totally surprised. It's, it's a weird thing that people have actually like in a way have actually been kind of brainwashed. And if they were to actually spend time with some people, they would be amazed at just kind of the humanness and the kindness and the, and the realness of who these people actually are. It's so frustrating and it's so sad. And I think you're exactly right to be upset about it, to be frustrated about it. I think that one of the most important questions going forward for all of us, especially folks who our parents have been kind of hijacked and co-opted through all of this mess and through social media and, and cable news and all this kind of stuff. The big question for us is, what does it mean to actually follow Jesus? What does it, not, not what does Christian culture say, what does, um, what is, what have we always been told that it means to be a, a Christian or anything like that? What does it actually mean to follow Jesus? When you like just read, for instance, the Gospel of John, you only get four chapters into that book before you find the Lord God himself uh, declaring that he's a Messiah, the Messiah, to a foreigner and a woman. In that same chapter, he is uh, healing the son of another foreigner from a completely different place. These were people that 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 you know their their people did not pay attention to did not speak to they were outcasts outsiders there was all kinds of racism tension all that kind of stuff and Jesus is he is amazed by the faith of these people he's declaring himself the messiah to these people the message of the new testament is clear Jesus is for everybody and to Jesus, there are no outsiders. His message of love, his inclusion, his heart is for everybody who wants to know him. And the biggest question that we have going forward is, in the, in the light of all of this fear and paranoia and, and hate and, and all of that stuff, what does it mean for us to actually follow Jesus? Who does he want to, us to care about? Who does he want us to reach out to? Who does he want us to spend our energy and our heart to go out towards and to help? And those are the questions that we've got to ask. It's, it, it's been awful to watch, for so many of us, to watch our parents get hijacked and brainwashed. And in the light of that, in the, in the upsetness of that, what is it going to mean for us to go forward to really kind of redeem the ma- the name of what it means to follow Jesus? Those are the questions that we have to answer for ourselves. All great questions and a lot of amazing stuff in that answer. And Jed, where would we take things from there? It is a great question. Lee gave you some great stuff on it. I want to share a verse with you that you, you've almost certainly heard before. And it's a beautiful verse, but we're going to take a little bit of a, a, an unconventional look at it. So this is just From John, from the Gospel of John, chapter 13, verse 35, and Jesus is talking here, and he says, By this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. 
It's a great verse. It's awesome. It's beautiful. But there's actually kind of a, a little bit of a meta thing going on here, which is really cool, which is Jesus is saying that when people who are not Christians, when they're trying to figure out who the real Christians are, they are going to judge that by your actions and your values. That's how they're going to determine who the real Christians are. Let me repeat that for a second. In this verse, Jesus is suggesting that when the world at large, when people who are not Christians, when they are looking and trying to determine who are genuine followers of Jesus, the things they're going to look at are actions and values. Now, I think that suggests something really important to us, which is that we are meant to be known for the way that we live, not for our loud-mouthed opinions or hot takes. And hmm. Christians, at least in the United States, have almost perfectly inverted that, um, where the, the thing that is the, – the way that you know that I'm really into the Christian thing is the maximum number of really offensive opinions that I have and can say at top volume. And Lee suggested, and rightly so, that we're at this critical point where people kind of need to reevaluate and redefine what it means to be a Christian. And, and I want to do something really radical, which is to encourage us to go back to what Jesus said and start being known for the way that we live yeah. and for love, and that our lives would be defined by taking action to help the poor and the forgotten. Mm. Um. I think, and this is something that I'm I'm shamelessly stealing from Glenn, I think all of us would be massively served by deciding as an act of humility to have fewer opinions in our lives, fewer opinions about things that we do not need to have opinions about. But now I want to draw a line because I think it's easy to get confused on this stuff. First of all, I said I think you should be taking action to help the poor and forgotten, and I, and I think you should. I think all of us should. Action for the poor and forgotten can certainly include protesting and issuing statements and raising awareness. These are good things. These are valuable things, um, and they can definitely help the poor and forgotten. And it would be easy to say, well, isn't that just kind of me having opinions and just kind of, you know, putting them out at people? And the answer is it's actually not. Um, and one of the ways that we can know that is you having an opinion requires absolutely nothing of you and it benefits no one in any way. There's no work or sacrifice on the front end, and there's no benefit on the back end. I'll give an example that has nothing to do with uh, the, the problem that you posed in your question or with religion, but just to kind of demonstrate this concept. You've heard of the musician Meatloaf, um, he of the I would do anything for love. I am now going to share with you an opinion that I have, which is I hate his music. I think his music is the worst music in the entire world. If you were to catalog all the music that has ever been written by human beings, his would be at the very bottom. It is the very worst, and I hate it the most. <laughs> that is my opinion. It is also not helping anyone in any way, shape, or form for me to say that. Now, by contrast, I could decide I want to work to further greater music literacy in the world. I think that music is a healing force, and the more that people are able to enjoy and appreciate music, it will bring more peace and more healing into their lives. That's a good thing. That's a beautiful thing. Me talking smack about meatloaf and me working in some way to further greater music literacy in the world are not the same thing at all. It would be easy, I think, in an unthinking way to kind of equate the two of them 
but they are not the same. So if part of what you want to do to, to help the poor and the forgotten is to uh, be involved in activism and, and to be involved in talking about things online, that can actually be a really cool thing and a good thing and, and a valuable thing. But again, the goal is that someone is actually helped by it rather than just I am shouting my opinions louder than the other people. A great point. Another great layer to this. And Glenn, where do we close this one out? Well, first of all, Jed is horribly wrong about meatloaf, and that's not an opinion. That's just fact. Now, <laughs> uh, yeah, I I agree with these other fellows. You know, first and foremost, we want to tell you that uh, we're sorry this is happening. I think I think there's something difficult and painful about someone watching someone close to us have that little compassion. And I think that's because uh, we look at people closest to us and we hope that we can expect for those people to have compassion if there's something going wrong with us. So uh, we we don't want to see them lose that compassion. We don't want to hear them say things that are hard for us to uh, have any respect for. So uh, I think you're right to be concerned about this and, and uh, seek some guidance on it. Uh, I think I want to start with the idea of how hard it is to live in the modern world and not root for somebody's downfall. I think that's really hard. Um, if I look at the news, the news uh, basically says, here's this person that you don't like, and they're just about to get it. Very soon, they're going to get it. The And and. Stay tuned because they're, they're really going to get it, and they build the anticipation and build it and build it a bit, and you know it either happens or it doesn't. But you, what they're tempting you into, what they're trying to get you to do, is root for the downfall of uh, these people, whoever they are, or this person, this villain, what have you. Uh, that's kind of how it's all. You know, everybody picks a team, and you just root for the other side to lose. Yeah. Uh, I think it's very, very difficult to consume any kind of online media without being hit with that continuously. It's hard for me, to be deadly honest with you. There are people that I'm not fond of uh, politically or what have you. And, um, you know, I see something looks like maybe it's going to go bad for them. And there's there's a glee that comes up in me that I'm not proud of. And I have to turn around and look at that and say, you know, that's that's not who I want to be. Um, I, I, I may dislike this thing, and I may be glad that it's it's being defeated, but that doesn't mean I'm rooting for another human being to have a horrible life or something like that. Uh, so I think let's maybe put all of us in the crosshairs of this one and, and admit that we 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 need to be forearmed and forewarned about what it's like to con- consume online media and mm-hmm. be kind of hit with this kind of stuff. But I think in terms of dealing with your mom, I think that the script needs to be clear and consistent. And that script would be, I respect you. You're my mother. I know you. I love you. I don't respect everything you say or do because that, that's not how life works. But I, you're my you're my parent, and I care for you. 
I'm struggling to find a way to respect you despite the fact that you are repeating things that you've heard uh, that I don't think you've critically worked through very well. I just don't respect this source of information. I think if we can gently and lovingly bring that up uh, to people that we care about, it might put this in a different footing inside their head. Oh, great stuff there from all these guys. Uh, the one thing I would add on to what, what we've heard here, and it's all great stuff, is to, to go back to what Jed was saying about um, there There was an idea that should be just roundly uh, dead and buried uh, by events happening from 2016 on to 2020, and that was people would say, well, the Internet isn't real life. So you just because you want to, you have an opinion or something you feel strongly about, you put that on the Internet, that's not anything. And, uh, again, we've learned from a lot of things that have happened that uh, things you say online, things you do online can have a real impact. Things people have said on and done online are where your mother gets a lot of her information. So, and one of the ways we got to that imbalance is because we got to this point where only the craziest people would put the things they think <laughs> online and the rest of us would go, well, that's clearly crazy and move on. And I'm not saying you have to, you know, get in people's comment sections and fight it out. That's obviously not a good idea. But as we're, as we're pointing out here, if you have things you feel strongly about, if you feel strongly about, um, you know, being being uh, for a free Palestine or, you know, Black Lives Matter or pro-LGBT or whatever, uh, there was this idea that like, well, you know, what good is putting something online really going to do about it? And it's not going to solve that problem. And it, you may have a thing with your employer where it makes it a bad idea. These are all real things. But I will say that someone who's in your situation might see that and think, oh, thank God, I'm not, the, I'm not the crazy one here. There are other people who are, who are dealing with this, who are processing things the way I am. Maybe you get a, a, a private message from someone who says, I saw that, that thing you shared, and I, that was totally my deal, and that's really cool. So one of the things that can happen, particularly as we're coming out of a pandemic year, and you may live in a place in the world where that's still happening, is you can feel very, very trapped. And there's a lot of negative stuff on the internet. There's a lot of bad ways the internet happens. But there are some things you can do to put some stuff out there, to connect on some things, to grow that. And don't don't shut those uh, those uh, avenues off to yourself because the, the health of a good uh, sanity check, as we call it around here, can be a very, very good thing. We're going to move on to our second question here. It comes in anonymously and says... Someone told me recently that I had a fear of success. Seems like every time I start doing well in my life, I give it I give up on it early. What can I do about this? And another very, very good question. And Jed, where would we start off with this? You know, I love this question. I, I think it's great. And I, I think one of the things about it that's really fascinating is that it comes with a, a very American assumption. And the very American assumption to me is this is if we offer you a promotion, of course, you should want it. <laughs> and that's very American, but I think it's worth examining that because I think that for a lot of people, it's it's actually not really true. So l- let's examine some things that these aren't exactly like spiritual truths. This is just how the world works. Here's thing number one. All blessings come with chores. Yeah. All of them. 
every like good new thing that you get in your life, it comes with chores. Um, yeah. if you're, if you're a longtime listener to this podcast, you know that I love uh, thrift store shopping. Um, it's one of my favorite things in the world. Uh, I, I kind of collect like, you know, shoes that I find there. And at one time I found this $20 pair of shoes that turned out to be worth like a couple grand cause they're made of crocodile skin. Right. Um, and, um, I took him to a guy that, that you know, specializes in, in, care for shoes and explain just so you know because of what these are made of you need to have these cleaned like every three months or they will destroy themselves Wow! and i got these really Mm. cool shoes but now i have a new chore in my life um (laughs) just to upkeep them and and here's the thing almost every cool new thing in your life comes with chores like that Mm. there's like an upkeep element to this cool new thing in your life all blessings come with chores here's the next one all progress comes with higher expectations like yep. if you were having yeah. a hard time in school and you're getting mostly C's and then you start getting B's, people just expect you to get B's now. Um, like there, we, we, we don't get a pass to go back to the C's. The expectations change both from other people and from ourselves. All progress comes with different and changed and higher expectations because we've created a new normal. and People expect us to just keep that up. Here's the next one. All success comes with identity change. Let me say that again. All success comes with identity change. When you were a line cook, you had one identity. Now that you're the manager of the McDonald's, you have a different identity. It's not just a different job. It's a different identity. All success comes with identity change. So let me read back. We've got chores. We've got higher expectations. And we've got identity change. Dude, it makes perfect sense to not want those things. Like, I think we need to just take a second and meditate on that. Yeah. I don't want more chores. I don't want higher expectations. I don't want to have to change my identity. Th- those, those things sound terrible. It turns out there, there's other good stuff that, that kind of balances that out. But again, we have this American idea and, and very much this American Christian idea that whatever the promotion is, you should always want it. And it's only good. There's no, you know, there's no right. downside to it. There's no cost to it when that's just not true. There's chores and there's higher expectations and there's identity change. And it makes perfect sense to not want those things. I would offer two things for you to, to look at. The first is, and this comes from the Bible is the idea that godliness with contentment is great gain. Mm-hmm. There's actually not something inherently godly about I need my situation to be constantly improving at all times, no matter what. Um, that's that's the American dream, but that doesn't actually have much to do with biblical Christianity. Um, contentment is is a good and right and beautiful thing. Uh, learning a sense of I'm I'm pretty happy where I am. Um, that's that's a good thing. It can be taken to extremes. Certainly, it can be taken to unhealthy places, but. Learning to get a hold of, of contentment is a good thing. That's, uh, a, again, literally a godly thing. So here's the second half of it is if – it's one thing if human beings are trying to just introduce something into your life that they think you should have. Like you've done a good job at, at work and now the boss wants to promote you. And you know, maybe you want that promotion and maybe you don't. It's another thing when you sense that the Lord is trying to bring something new into your life. That's actually a little bit different thing, and you don't have to instantly be in favor of it, but what would be great would be to start talking to God about that Mm. and telling God about the fact, you know, it sounds like you've got a new thing for me, but I don't want more chores, 
and I don't want higher expectations and I don't want an identity change. So what can we do here? Because the funny thing is not only will you feel better if you start having that conversation with God, but I think God probably wants to address those concerns. I think God probably wants to talk to you about how we're going to deal with new chores and with higher expectations and with an identity change. There's an old saying that sounds hackneyed, but it's true, where God guides, he provides. If God is going to lead you to a place with more chores and higher expectations and identity change, he's also going to provide what you need for those things, but talking with him about that is going to be part of how we receive the strength and the wisdom and the courage that we need to take a hold of that new adventure. All of this begins with being honest in a holistic sense that, yeah, there may be some excitement about a a new opportunity. There may be some interesting potentials about a new opportunity, but it's not exactly um, something that's free. There, there, There is a cost to it, and we would be wise to consider that cost in advance and how it is that we intend to pay it. Excellent stuff to get us started off on that. And Glenn, where would we take it from there? Well, yeah, I, I I really like what Jed's saying there because, you know, uh, the idea of kind of front-loading all that and considering and sort of being prepared for success is a, is a great idea. I think we we tend to think, uh, you know, success is just good and fun and, you know, I just need to work towards it and when I get it, I'll just be happy. And it doesn't work that way. I know successful people are miserable. It, it doesn't make them happy at all. So, you know, there's that. Um, but I, I think part of what happens when we don't do the work that Jed was talking about there, and it hits us sort of by surprise, uh, we get that sense of what uh, psychologists would call cognitive dissonance. That is to say, we are getting something better than we think we deserve. So it it creates a dissonance. It creates a disharmony. It doesn't fit. Uh, you know, I think of my life as being this way, and now all of a sudden it's better. And I'm still the same person, so how is it that I deserve this? And um, the tendency that we have is to sabotage our way back to the thing that we think we deserve. Uh, and that's that's a problem. You know, when when you know, for some of us, we we met a woman who we definitely did not deserve and was way out of our league. And, I, you know, in my case, my response was that to, to that situation was to say, yay, how can I trick her? And uh, then, you know, let's let's see how long we can keep this rolling here. And, uh, you know, I managed to 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 make that work pretty darn good. I'm, I'm still hustling to to keep that work going. <laughs> And little by little, it turns out I, I am becoming that guy that I needed to be. But uh, ultimately, I think there's a tendency for a lot of us to to sabotage our way out of good things because we don't think we deserve them, and we because we haven't done the work that Joe's talking about. Uh, also, you know, I think we have a troubling relationship with failure. Yeah. Um I th- I think failure failure's a uh not I I want you to ask why do you hate it so bad? I think that's worth answering and I I think you need to have a good 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 answer for that cuz you hate it a lot. I mean it freaks you out it upsets you you struggle with it. Because I think to me I think we we normalize that hatred of failure because we see some people who are really driven 
and they they really love a challenge and it looks like they hate defeat but that's not the case defeat drives them they they feel inspired and you know pushed forward by not being where they want to be and they they're they're anxious and driven and and they in, they sort of embrace that challenge and when they get there it's like okay that's good now i need to find another challenge now i need to find something else i'm not good at uh, that's different from someone who says i can only see myself as a success and if this if i don't succeed it i can't live with myself until i do succeed because that's how i have chosen to see myself as a successful person that's ego feeding ego and and uh overcoming and embracing challenges are two totally different things and they yeah. lead in opposite directions and when i get to that point of overcoming it you know i just want to go to the next challenge i'm not trying to coast on i am quote unquote successful and in fact being able to then look back and reflect on those failures allows me to talk to Lee and help him by mm-hmm. by talking about those failures and owning them and th- the whole thing is overcoming it's not about being successful and i think if we can draw those kinds of lines it, our, our our walk with the lord will have a whole different dynamic that's all great stuff and lee where do we close this out i, I think you've heard amazing stuff from both jed and glenn on this i i would just mention a couple of little things and i, I do think that that the the psychology that that Jeb was laying out at the beginning is is something I think makes a lot of sense that there is a there can be kind of a self protective thing of taking yourself out of the game. So, some of that may be like exactly what Jeb was saying of like, hey, there's nothing wrong with saying I don't need to go forward on this. That's just an American ideal that that I don't need to want. There's also the kind of thing where you recognize that if I go forward, I am going to have the new the new chores and the new responsibility and the new expectations and all that kind of stuff. I, I think there's just a couple of things to add on to this, just to punctuate it at the end. One is even if I do take myself out of the game, that doesn't mean that I'm going to um, immunize, immunize myself from challenges. I'm still going right. to face challenges. So that's thing one. And then on the other side of that, um, if I go forward, uh, into what other people may perceive as success or whatever, um, I may have uh, situations where I have some failure. That failure, if I do have a, a, pub, a you know a public blunder or something like that, my life isn't over. So those are two things that we want to measure our next move with. One, if I take a knee right now, that doesn't mean I am protecting myself from all challenges. Two, if I go forward and I do have a failure, which is the thing I'm probably afraid of, that doesn't mean my life is over. I I point those two kind of left and right limits out to say this. One of the most critical things that you can do for yourself is to realize, um, I need to keep my mindset in this moment today. I need to face the challenges I'm facing today. I need to go to the Lord for the wisdom and the courage and the strength. I need... I need a, a good team set up. I need people that I can trust. I need people praying for me. I need to face today's challenges today, whatever those are. If I'm if I'm going for the next promotion or if I'm not going for the, 
for the promotion. If I don't go for the promotion, I'm still going to face challenges. What I don't want to do is I don't want to be overwhelmed by the fear of failure in the future, but I also don't want to be plagued by the the feeling of a failure in the past. If I mess up, that doesn't mean my life is over. If I if I push pause right now, that doesn't mean I'm never going to face challenges again. If I can keep those things in mind and remember that my goal is to live in this day right now. Um, my goal is not to try to, uh, you know, figure out how to anesthetize myself from everything the bad that could ever happen to me. My goal is to face today's challenges, to do that with courage, to do that with the wisdom that God provides and the, and the, the strength that his spirit provides. And that's going to be the way to go forward. Whether or not you take the promotion, whether or not you seek out the success, we're going to have challenges regardless. We don't need to be afraid of failure. We just need to face today's challenges as they come today. All fantastic stuff from all three of these guys. One, sm- one small thing I would tack on there, and it's basically definitional, because I think one of the things that is difficult to people when they think about a fear of success, and I know has been true when I've had people say such a thing to me, is it sounds very, very foreign. It sounds very, very odd. It sounds like one of the feelings I think a lot of people have sometimes is, well, am I some kind of freak if everyone else is chasing success and that's the thing I'm afraid of? Is this is that like being allergic to oxygen? Like, am I just doomed to this weird existence? And I think a lot of times fear of success is just fear of failure pushed on. Oh, sure. They said they'd go on one date with me, but a relationship would never work out. So I better just pull the ripcord now or I would never, I, I can get the the job as the associate, but I could never be a shift lead. So I, I should get out before they ask me to do that. That's just fear of failure pushed on. And if we take that leftover energy we have and put it into the good things these guys are talking about of defining yourself, of working on those things, of dealing with that cognitive dissonance, finding those positive things to push through. That's a much better place for that leftover energy to go. And you'll go a long way towards not sabotaging yourself. We'll move on to our final question here. It comes in anonymously and says, Philippians one twenty seven says, whatever happens, conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. If the gospel is that everyone falls short and needs Jesus, what does it mean to live in a manner worthy of the gospel? Another very interesting question, a really cool thing to write in. And Glenn, where do we start off? Well, it, it is a great question. I mean, uh, I, I think we, in a, in a funny kind of way, it relates to the question we were just looking at, this idea of what if I'm trying to conduct myself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ, but then my inevitable you know, humanity asserts itself, and I fall short of that, and, and the real me shows through, uh, the, instead of the fake me that I'm trying to be, and acting super holy, you know, that that, that seems like a, a a thing that will eventually happen no matter what I try to do, and so how how do I make that work? But l- let's turn this on its head a little bit here by looking at this and saying, if you give an honest try to live your life in a way where you're helping those who are at the bottom of life, you're reaching out to the person who is struggling, if there's somebody in your office or somebody in your school that you see is having a hard day and you go over and ask them how they're doing, if you give an honest try uh, to to serve and help and love other people, mm. 
and you fail within that, people can still see you trying. Yeah. <laughs> and that counts for pretty much everything. I mean, also, this is maybe really important. The, the the idea of sort of your your underlying human imperfect self asserting itself in the middle of that process uh, will not do the damage that you're worried about it doing. Now, if you act like a normal human being around other Christians, they'll have a problem with that. That you know they don't they don't they want the fake you, or they the, everybody wants to be fake and and fake each other out. But if you are in a office environment, and you might be one of the few Christians in the whole building, and every day you make muffins for the person who lost a pet and is really upset about it, and you bring them muffins and just let them talk about the pet, and uh, you just listen and what have you. If in the middle of that you drop something heavy on your toe and a big giant curse word comes out of your mouth, (laughs) they won't care. Because you brought them muffins and let them talk about you know their their cute little pet, and and they, so they don't care. You know, they, they, it won't bother them. Maybe that'll bother them at church if you do that there. But that's this, this isn't that. Uh, so I think first of all, give yourself credit and give credit to the people around you. If you really give it an honest try and feel, they'll see you trying and they'll credit that to you. Uh, a hypocrite is somebody who has an intention to deceive. Uh, even if that's deceiving themselves, uh, hypocrites are are saying, "I want you to see me as something I am not. I want you to see me as other and better than what I actually am." Mm. Uh, if you don't, if you are, if you aren't putting that front out there, then you don't have to worry about hypocrisy. If you say, "Look, I'm just a dude. If I drop something heavy on my toe, a curse word is bound to come out." But I really do care about your your loss, and I really do like making you muffins. So you know, take together with the bad, they're going to be fine with that. They're they're that's not going to be a problem. They're not going to see hypocrisy to that. They're not going to see a bad Christian. They're just going to see an actual, authentic human being who's trying to live a life of faith, and that's what you want. That you couldn't get any better than yeah. that. So there's no problem there. Uh, I think. The hypocrisy part, the, the thing that you're you're talking about is presenting yourself as someone who is above failure. And um, I'm so holy, I don't have to worry about being unholy in any sort of way. And, and it's inconceivable that I would be unholy. If you're presenting yourself as, I'm struggling to just, you know, figure out how to follow Christ and do what I need to do, and all I know is muffins and listening. Is that okay? <laughs> you believe me, people will look at that and say, that's absolutely okay, and it's exactly what I need, and I'm not asking for anything more. So I don't think you have to worry about the other shoe dropping. A great place to start that off. And Lee, where do we take it from there? Yeah, I mean, I'm going to come in on the same note as Glenn from, and and just from a slightly different direction. I, and so we're going to take a little dive into some of the words. I, I love this verse that you that you're throwing out in the question. And what's really cool is when you when you do a little dig into the original language, when the Apostle Paul said "conduct yourselves," that little phrase "conduct yourselves in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ," the word "conduct yourselves." 
it's just one Greek word, and it and it's a compound word that has the Greek word for citizen in it. It's the word polis, like you, you we get mm. the word political uh, from that word. And literally, uh, and then the word worthy is the word axiom, like axios, like an axiomatic truth, like something that's just self-evident. In a way, what Paul is saying is, like, I, and by the way, whoever asked this question, I love the way that you uh, laid out the gospel. Um, like, if if the gospel is just basically, you know, uh, everybody's messed up and they need Jesus, I'm like, dude, you just said it. That was fantastic. Yeah. So let's just say for us, uh, in, in my mind, when you look at some of those original language words, it's kind of like Paul saying, let's say there's a city called uh, Gospel Town. Uh, the the rules of this city, of this of this polis of this this town is, uh, everybody's a screwed up mess and everybody needs Jesus like a whole whole lot. What would it mean to be a an awesome citizen of that town, of that little city? And it's like, oh well, it would mean like if you if you realize that's that's the that's the rules of this city. Uh, well then. To be a great citizen of that city would be, you know, you're patient with everybody because everybody's a mess. Just like I'm, I'm just like everybody else. I, I, I need people to be patient with me, so I'm going to be patient with everybody else. Uh, I'm going to be really, really humble about myself because everybody's a total mess. I'm just as big of a mess as everybody else, so I'm not going to front off like I'm amazing. I'm, I'm going to be humble on that. I'm going to be honest about myself because we all recognize about ourselves that we need Jesus a whole lot. And we don't have what it takes on our own, and so you know the the the, the way that things go in the city is we 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 confess a whole lot and we forgive each other a whole lot. We got a whole lot of grace on everybody, and that's just kind of the vibe of our city. Uh, you know, like certain cities are known for a vibe. You know, this city uh, is uptight and and whatever. This city right here is super weird or whatever. Well, like Gospel Town is just it's just a place where everybody recognizes. I'm I'm a giant mess and I need the help of Jesus. So based on that, I'm I'm humble and I'm patient. We confess and we forgive a whole lot. It, when you look at some of those original words, you realize what Paul's saying is let's say that just it's just self-evident that every like that that everybody realizes what the what the message of Jesus is. Everybody's a giant mess and needs Jesus a whole lot. If you were gonna be a citizen of a of a place like that, what would you be like? And that makes a whole lot of sense to me. It's like, well, it just means I'm going to be honest about myself. I'm going to come in on a humble note. I'm going to be super gracious and patient with everybody. And we're going to confess and forgive like we're professionals at confession and forgiveness. Man, that's a place that I want to be. That's the kind of community where I want to live. And that's the kind of note that you come in on. Here's the really, really cool thing. If a person that's been fed up with Christians, especially over the past few years, was to walk into a community where people acted like that, oh my gosh, where people were like patient with each other and gracious with each other and honest about themselves and humble and confessed and forgave, like that, like that was the, the tone and the vibe of the place. I mean, they would be like, okay, what are you people? And it's like, oh, we're Christians. No, I, I, and they would say like, I, I don't think so because Christians are mean and judgmental and the whole thing. No, no, no. We're like actually what Christians are supposed to be. It's like, that's what it means to live in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ is if the message of Jesus were a town and you were a great citizen of that town, what would you be like? 
And if we were those people, man, so many more people would be attracted to our message. That is another excellent point. And Jed, where would we close this discussion out? Well, you've heard some really great stuff. So let me offer kind of just a a quick summary and kind of a a cheat sheet uh, if you're on the new. Don't be a jerk. (laughs) Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Don't be a jerk is really good advice for having a peaceful life and a good witness. Mm. Don't be a jerk. I, I've been a Christian a long time now. I, I can't think of a time when God has ever called me to be a jerk. Um, <laughs> right. I, I can't think of a time when, when God has called anyone else to be a jerk. Yeah. Um, I mean, yeah, periodically you gotta, you know, uh, take a stand and periodically you gotta, you know, speak a, a difficult truth and love and, and whatnot. That's not the same as being a jerk. And the fun thing is, I bet you don't even need me to explain why it's not the same or how it's not the same, because we we all kind of get that. Uh, Being a jerk. Here's, and actually, this is a really important thing. Being a jerk is always optional. Always. Yeah. That's one of the really interesting things about it. Like, you know, uh, imagine that you were, you know, managing a a store and you had an employee who was, you know, stealing out of the cash register. You just absolutely had to fire them. There's just no way around it. Well, they're not going to enjoy that. It's not reasonable to expect them to enjoy it. But you being a jerk as you fire them is completely optional. It's completely up to you, man. So don't be a jerk. You don't need to. It's not helping anything. God's not calling you to do it. But here's the the nice thing, actually, about the the don't be a jerk summary is this will also help you with discernment, too. Uh, I'm going to say something that's going to sound almost overly reductive, but I think we should dig into it a little bit. When you're trying to decide what to do, ask yourself, is this a jerk move? If it is, then don't do that move. Again, I know that sounds so simple as to be silly, but a few things. First is, I can't tell you how many Christian leaders do not bother to ask themselves if what they are doing or saying is a jerk move. Right. Yeah. That's thing number one. Thing number two is, that's one of those little questions that um, goes deeper than you think it does at first glance. Because if you're thinking about doing something or saying something and you ask, is this a jerk move? Is this what a jerk would say or do? And if there's part of your brain, maybe part that's, you know, getting some help from the Holy Spirit goes, I mean, maybe. Well, then actually there's a great follow-up question, which is, well, what about it makes it a jerk move? Mm. What What's going on here that, that's taken us into a place of jerkitude? Um I I probably didn't start with the intention of pulling a jerk move, but I may be veering in that direction. So let's back up. How do we get here? What what left turn have I taken or am I considering taking that's getting us off the map and out of a place that's driven by love and into a place where we're we're being uncool about things? That ability to to analyze and, and have kind of a hard barometer of, you know, as we're crossing this line, we're going into places just uncool, and I can't expect people to to feel good about it. It's actually super useful and super helpful. Everything you heard from from Glenn and from Lee is spot on on this, and I think that we can we can bring all of that together. Which is one of the things in in, in life that is that is good to have is a a kind of a quick gauge of how we're doing. And that is, is this a jerk move? Am I being a jerk? That's a really good starter quick gauge. And here's the thing. It keeps on being a good starter quick gauge. Like you, you never graduate from the quick, uh, uh, the quick reality check of, is this a jerk move? But 
everything that Glenn and, and Lee are saying goes in concert with that to give us more depth of understanding and more nuance to understand what would not be a jerk move. And how do we go more into a loving direction and more into a Christ-like direction? You put all that together, and I think you're going to find yourself absolutely conducting yourself in a manner worthy of the gospel of Christ. All wonderful stuff from all three of these guys on a really interesting question. We want to thank you for writing that in. We want to thank everyone for writing in. And if you have a question for us, you can write that in and say that podcast at gmail.com or the bridgechicago.tumblr.com slash ask. If you want to keep that entirely anonymous, you can click on either of those links in your episode description. You can check us out at missionusa.com slash bridgebox and facebook.com slash the bridge Chicago for the bridge live and more fun over there. We have the song this week. This is from Lee. This is his take on, oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus. Real fun tune. Take out that. Thanks for listening. Just remember, we love you. God loves you. There's nothing you can do about it. The Say That Podcast, we will focus on the spiritual implications of the life of Dr. Bruce Banner until we come to the underlying truth concerning a troubled and misunderstood Hulk. (laughs) Oh, the deep, deep love of Jesus, vast, unmeasured, boundless, free rolling as a mighty